Welcome to 360 Timmy, the podcast with interesting people in 360 degrees. You can listen on all major music streaming services and watch on YouTube by going to youtube.com forward slash at 360 Timmy. Hello everyone, welcome again to another 360 Timmy. Tonight we are in Singleton Lake in Ashford, Kent, and my special guest tonight is Ash Heathcote. Welcome Ash. Uh, mate, how are you? Ash is uh, someone that's always bored and is after a challenge. I, I, I tried to think of a way of describing him, but he's had such an interesting background, background which we're going to cover on this uh, episode. So, Ash, tell us about your background, I guess, to begin with. Well, well where do you start? Um, I suppose from Yorkshire, originally Huddersfield, 1982, obviously the Falklands, joined the army. Uh, the Falkland War, the Falklands War Falklands in 1982, War. yeah. Uh, got there in 1988. Um, That's after the war. Indeed. Peacekeeping. So literally went for four months. So I did seven years in the army, Gibraltar, Norway, nuclear site, guards did all sorts, even uh, sunk a tank in Germany. Well, I didn't. Huggy did. He drove it into a ditch. Who's Huggy? He was the driver. <laughs> we, so, we wrote off a chieftain tank. Um, so that's quite, that's quite a start there. So, but where did, you, where did it all begin for you? Where were you born? Uh, born in Huddersfield, um, 1964. Um, Went to uh, Far Town Secondary Modern, Huddersfield, and uh, grew up. Um, nothing spectacular, I suppose. Uh, same sort of childhood as most people. Nothing particularly interesting. And then, as I said, joined the army. And what? And it was it literally the Falklands War that encouraged you to join the army. You wanted yeah. a bit of action, something yeah. from excitement. Well, at the time, I was an ice cream man. I used to do Home Firth, where they filmed Last of the Summer Wine, and I just uh, thought there's more to life than that. Yeah, it's quite and, a slow uh, pace there, isn't it? Yeah, a bit of a slow pace. So, uh, yeah, joined the army, came out of the army about 89, became a lifeguard fitness instructor because I was a physical training instructor. And then uh, the job came up at a police training centre that uh, you're probably familiar with. Yes, so this is where I first knew you. So I worked at this particular police training centre and my first introduction to you was you had been on a, on a trip to America on holiday you had managed to talk a police academy. Oh, Penn State Police Academy, yeah, yes, into, yes. Into letting you do a training session. Yes. You had a video of yourself in an American video format, yes, which I is did. why you wanted me did. to convert it to a British, where basically a helicopter landed, <laughs> you jump out of the helicopter. That's the one. Ran down a hill <laughs> yeah. to where some perpetrators, well, you know, it was all, it was all kind of a stage. Well, it was all stage, yeah. Pump action yeah. shotgun was thrust yeah. into my hand, so I shot them. It was literally like watching <laughs> Oh, an, an action movie Rolled and I thought who <laughs> is this guy and what does he do? Rolled um, over a car bonnet they then gave me a nine millimeter carried on with that shooting stuff <laughs> and the right laugh. So yes yeah, so, so obviously since then that, that was my introduction <laughs> to you and it was what does this guy and I literally had just started I was a video technician and uh, you were you were a, a PCI physical training yes, instructor yes, yeah, so what yeah. did you what did you train in the police? Oh, well uh, basically my role was at what they call a staff safety trainer so I used to do um, batons, handcuffs, uh, uh, unarmed combat, self-defence, uh, riot training uh, with the infamous Pete Beck, who, who obviously we knew. So you need to explain who Pete Beck is because the audience doesn't know All right, Pete well, is. Pete Beck, uh, ex-Grenadier Guard, and for anyone that went through police training, you could probably hear his voice in Yorkshire when he was giving off the uh, drill commands. Uh, an infamous, very interesting person who I shadowed and obviously worked quite a lot with doing riot training and then eventually took over and took the uh, police pass out parades as the uh, 
instructors. I led them out in front of all their family and uh, marched them off the square and they all became police officers. So I did that for many years at the uh, training centre, but sadly it closed, as we know. But let's, let's stay on that for a bit because we're going over these things very quickly and I think you're missing an awful <laughs> lot of detail out. So if you join the police, yes, it, certainly between the 70s and the early 2000s, uh, you went to a force in the southeast. Yes. Uh, and you would go to this police training centre that's based in Ashford in Kent. Yes. For 15 weeks. You do a kind of a national course and go back to your force. Yes. So we had a, st a steady intake of around 100 students every intake, yes. I, I believe. Yes, we did, yes. So they did law training. Mm -hmm. They did riot training, as you, as you uh, indicated. Yep. There were things like every force has a different set of handcuffs. That's right, train the handcuffs, the batons. Uh, as I said, the self-defence, life-saving, first aid. Capacitance spray? Uh, eventually, yeah, because I transferred, well, so I transferred. When the centre closed down, I ended up going to Sussex Police and became a trainer uh, on a decommissioned nuclear bunker in Ashdown Forest built for <laughs> Margaret Thatcher. So I would work 60 foot underground in an air-conditioned, still there now, it's called Ashdown, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it. But uh, Sussex Police took it over. And it's, uh, it was built for the uh, Cold War, uh, decommissioned, because technically it leaks now, so it's not very secure. Um, but yeah, I used to uh, do uh, what they call pepper spray. So police recruit, I'd spray them in the face with pepper spray, that was my job. Crikey. And uh, the swearing that they did after that was very interesting. But what yeah, I, I didn't really get from you earlier, though, is what, so what made you leave the army and go to the police? So was it just the tenure thing? Or? Um, the thing is with the, with the army, because I was relatively fit at the time, uh, I was cavalry unit, but I transferred to the Ordnance Corps, who were very laid back. And because I was really fit, and they had taskings like the Falklands, Gibraltar, Arctic Warfare, uh, Allied Command Europe, uh, AMFL it's called, Allied Command Europe um, Mobile Force Land, like a rapid reaction unit, um, I kept getting sent on it, and I had a word with the, uh, the the boss, and I said, "Look, you know, with all due respect, is there nobody else in the unit?" And he looked me in the face and said, "Technically, no, because we don't trust anyone else." And he said, "You're the only one we dare send that won't make us look stupid." And it was pretty much after that I went, "Well, kind of had enough. I think I'll uh, try something else." And as I say, I left the army became a fitness instructor and obviously saw the job at Ashford. But you weren't, were you in Kent then or were you still in No, no, I was, I was still in Huddersfield, came, came down to Kent for the interview. I remember it very well and I thought, oh, God, I don't stand a chance. The, the people I were up against, um, you know, they all, in my opinion, just came off far better than me. Was about to leave and one of the staff said, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going home. And they said, no, we want to talk to you about the job. You've got it. And I went, are you joking? They went, no. And as I say, the, the rest is history. So that kind of gave you a lot of, um, I mean, you, you obviously learned things as well going through that role, didn't you? And you oh, had yeah. to start teaching all kinds of things. Oh, at the end, gosh. You? I mean, the, the learning experience at uh, Harrogate, at Panel Ash, where we did the training. I mean, I had literally just come out of the, the army. So, you know, diversity, equal opportunity. Um, I knew very little about and it was a massive learning curve for myself because of course things were done a lot differently in the 80s and I was now uh, a police trainer stand out in front of uh, impressionable young people and uh, imparting wisdom and knowledge on how to defend themselves uh, you know when my background had been 
for all intents and purposes, a squad in the army coming from Yorkshire. And uh, so I had a lot of learning to do. And it has held me in good stead, you know. It's and interesting, I isn't it? Because in terms of diversity and uh, training, that what you're talking about the mid-90s, so there's yes. a lot of perception... There's, well, there's a lot of issues in the police to this day. We know it from oh, yeah. what's yeah, going yeah. on in the Met, but it's yeah. kind of interesting that all that training was done back in the mid-90s oh, and yeah, the police I mean, were a little bit ahead of the game there, weren't they? Oh, uh, very very much so. And, um, you know, the, the, the idea of obviously, and, and knowing that there are, you know, bad, bad eggs, there'll be bad eggs in every society because with all due respect, if you're a bad egg, you can hide. And I think that's what a lot of, some of the you know police officers that are now coming out um they're just very good at hiding and at the police training center you only had them for so long you can't tell who's good and who's bad but you did have them residentially for several weeks on the, not just a, for a couple of hours in a college or a university oh no no and we did get rid of a lot a lot were i saw a lot go down the drive due to behavioral problems and you know issues uh, i even saw trainers i even saw a I remember one of the staff making a comment, I think two hours later, he was gone. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it was it was good times though, because we, we worked hard, we did work hard, and we did put out a good product. We yeah. were good, at, we were very good at what we did. So all in all, you would have trained police officers from uh, forces all around the southeast. Yep, there um, were 43 forces, I think. Uh, somebody said at one point that we had uh, trained there were six training centres around the UK, and obviously we were the southeast. But yeah, often we would get Jersey, Guernsey officers, uh, Met, City of London, not Met, I beg your pardon, City of London, uh, Sussex, Surrey, Hampshire, all over the place. Transport police. Yeah, British yep. Transport Police trained. I tried to work out once how many would train, how many had gone through. I reckon it was about twelve thousand, maybe. Crikey, that's incredible. Yeah, about twelve thousand. And it, as I say, it was good times, but the place came to an end and obviously the training's now changed it's back in force so um i set up my own business and became a trainer health and safety and this is where we are today and i guess also though um didn't things like door um supervisor training come in as a th i think one of, a former director of the police training center that we, or the police training organization we work for set up a a proper scheme so that doormen on nightclubs and pubs yeah, have, yeah. have a proper yeah. SIA accreditation. It, yeah. So you were quite good. That was a natural oh, yeah, yeah. bit I mean, you go into, wasn't it, after that, I guess? Uh, literally, would it be around 2010 is when I set up my own business. Uh, was when the Olympics, they were now sort of recruiting, and I landed quite a few contracts training SIA security, uh, working with various colleges around the southeast. And... For a few years, I had quite a lot of security coming through uh, that we were training. <clears throat> but of course, then the Olympics, once it had finished, obviously a surplus of security. So that's, I guess, when I moved more into health and safety consultancy and training. So now I go all around the southeast. I work with Emirates, Tottenham Hotspur, Harrods, or companies that work with Harrods rather. Um, yeah, so I've, you know, coming from Yorkshire. I've done really well. You have. You always seem to be somewhere different. I, it's incredible, actually. So, so uh, is that is that the future for you now, or? Well, the future. I made a decision, as you know, six years ago to go into properties, and um, I bought my first house. I think 2017, I think it was. And without obviously sharing too much, I have quite a few now. 
So, um, it, you know, again, it was just something on a whim. So I literally can, I don't have to work. I work because I want to, I don't have to, but you, as you know, I can't sit still. Yes. So I'm always looking for something. So this was a challenge at the start of the video. I was trying to find a, a <laughs> title for you because you've been in the army, you've been a police trainer, you run your own business, you, you're now a entrepreneur in terms of property, yep. and you still want a challenge. I mean, it's it's uh, not it's a it's, it's it's like a I mean excuse the term it's like a disease. Can't sit still. Yeah. You know I have to do something. I mean I was a special constable for for four years. Uh, I've trained Duke of Edinburgh for schools. Uh, I'm even st uh, still one of the. Um, uh, NHS response um, on the app. So during the COVID, you know, if people needed medicine and stuff, you, you, it's called a responder, I think. Um, yeah, always, always looking for something, not quite sure what the future. I started a gardening company during lockdown because I was bored. So I was cutting grass, putting sheds up, painting fences. In fact, I've done loads around here. They keep asking me, will you come and cut me grass? And no, I don't do it anymore. <laughs> it was just that period. It was just, you know, I'm not sitting down for four months. So I went out and set up a business and it was going really well. You say you literally couldn't do any training during that period. No, was that, was no, it, no, yeah, I couldn't do it. I literally, you know, it, it was a case of like most people, you had to stay at home. And I thought, I'm going to go stir crazy. I can't do this. Yeah. Right, what do people need? They need the grass cut. Right, I'll do that. So uh, I bought myself a, a multi-tool Titan grass cutter thing, put a banner on my fence, and before I knew it, the phone was ringing and I was off. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to slow down. I mean, I've got my motorbike, um, got my car, my windsurfer, and- uh, And you're still training? Uh, I'm still training, yeah. Yeah, still. Is that mainly first aid and? fire at safety. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Any, anything to do with health and safety. I do construction sites. Uh, I do a lot of care homes, so work a lot uh, in care homes. I do mental health first aid that people have probably heard about. Um, there's not a lot I don't. I fire extinguishers, pat testing. Um, I'll have a go at anything, really. Yeah. You know, it's it's just, uh, you know, keeping um, keeping active, keeping going. And you have obviously have you've had situations where, as you say, where you were special in the Sussex Police. You've been in the army, so you've tested some of it. You're not you're not just training something you've never done. Well, yourself. that's why I did it. I mean, when I was a police trainer, obviously uh, we civilians took over from the police. You know, we they were all, we were all civilians, and my argument was, I'm telling people that you know you need to do this, you need to do that, but I don't do it. So um, I became a special, and I used to go out every weekend um, with. Um, Kent's finest. And if there was a skirmish, if there was a, a problem, I also got independence, which means I went out on my own. So I just signed a patrol car out. And um, 2005, I got a commendation for bravery. It had to do with a nasty incident, which obviously I don't want to say too much no. about because it's still quite, it's local. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, <clears throat> it's a uh, couple of officers got knocked out and um, it wasn't very nice. No. But, um, but no, I mean, I can't complain. You know, I, I've got, you know, my mates, known you for a long time. Um, you know, I've got a lovely partner. Uh, we're off on holiday, as you know, on Thursday, <laughs> again. <laughs> and she loves me to death. Um, I so I, I guess I want to know, where, what, where's Ash going to be in 20 years time then? Because I can't imagine you sitting in an old people's home. Uh, going uh, reminiscing about the world. I think you're always wanting a challenge, aren't you? So I'm not sure. I am looking. Um, what old people's home? No, 
<laughs> no, um, there's a couple of things that I'm interested because I've got my HGV1. Yeah. And it's something I've, I've, I'd like to do more with, but I probably won't. But there are certain jobs, for example, custodians of campsites where you go and actually um, look after a campsite for sort of six months and, you know, cut the grass, clean the toilets, meet the people and literally just look after the place. Now, that kind of interests me. Because um, you did something similar like that years ago, didn't you? You used to take uh, customers from uh, Kent down to uh, the south of France oh, yeah, to go yeah. skiing. Yeah, yeah. You'd have a day skiing on, on a Saturday and bring a load back and on the well, yeah, overnight train from, to but, yeah, Basically, I was a ski rep um, for a company called Fantaski that no longer exists, and you've got Ski France and various other companies. And I did that for a season and then came back and carried on sort of skiing and obviously people said oh can we come with you and i went oh yeah all right then so first time i think i hired a minibus went to Aviemore, and then it, it sort of grew ended up with two minibuses and then finally it was a, a coach down to um uh, val teen yeah. uh, down teen val d'azaire where you know i'm there taking people skiing on a coach thinking oh my god this is getting out of hand <laughs> you know it was just a few friends but it just kind of grew and grew and grew and uh, like I said, I scaled it back after that because I was a bit worried thinking, uh, I, you know, am I a tour operator? Should I be getting abter insurance? I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know what's around the corner. Um, Health-wise, I'm still pretty fit. I still go down the gym, although my body's starting to fall apart a bit, you know, back, knees, hips. Um, but well, you know, I would just love to be able to find that uh, video of you in the police academy when I first knew you, because uh, that that was literally the most bizarre introduction to anyone I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I do remember it very and, well. Uh, you have lived every inch of that video <laughs> all the time I've known you. So uh, today's been a fascinating conversation. Thanks, Ash. Thanks. And uh, hope to catch up soon on your next venture. Certainly will, mate. Certainly will. Remember, you can watch the video version of this podcast on youtube.com forward slash at 360 Timmy. Episodes are available in regular or 360 view. More links on 360timmy.com.